We're continuing in the book of Hebrews again today, chapter 13. So if you want to grab your Bible or your phone and open it up, we're going to be looking at verses 13, 1 through 3. So we're going to take it kind of slow through chapter 13. You know, we were thinking about, you know, we've had all this theology in Hebrews, and then in chapter 13 we get all this great practical stuff. It says, in light of who God is and what He's done in Christ, this is how you ought to live. And so we're going to be looking at that. You know, last week at the end of 12, we saw God's invitation to join this better worship party that He has going on in heaven. And what we're going to see as we get into chapter 13 is that actually all of our life can be lived in worship to Him. You know, we have this on our discipleship wheel, right? Our, our motto that really as we're making disciples, a disciple, right? A risen life is meant to be a life of worship. This is where we're going. This is what God wants us to be, worshipers. It's who He created us to be. Romans 12.1 that we have on there says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's a, a living offering of worship, holy and acceptable to God, which he says is spiritual worship. So this is what we're after. And, and as we said, chapter 13 is going to give us very practical ways on how to live out a life of worship. Okay? In fact, Hebrews 13, 15 through 16, the author makes this explicit. He says, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, lips that acknowledge His name, so make Him Lord, and then in verse 16, doing good and sharing what you have. And it says these are sacrifices that are pleasing to God. Praising God with our mouth, doing the good things He's asked us to do, sharing the gospel and the things that He has entrusted to us with other people. Now, as we begin to look practically in chapter 13, verses 1 through 3 are going to focus our worship on this, on loving others well, okay? So we're going to think about. This is our question this morning. Are you loving others around you in a way that worships God? When people look at the way that you love people, they go, that's somebody that's following Jesus, okay? This is our question this morning. Do you love others in the way God has loved you and because He has loved you? This is our motivation. The gospel is our motivation. Because we are loved, we then turn around and love others. Do you love and care for members of this church? Right? Do you take time to care for those in need? We have people in need in our church. Are you willing to identify and care for those that are suffering? These are all ways that we love others. Do you love your neighbor well? God's been challenging me in this one this year. Do you love your enemies? You know, a lot of us say, I'll love anybody but that guy, right? But God's call is to love because he loved us when we were enemies. And so I want to say this this morning, that I believe loving those around us with God's love, this is the primary way that you are called to practically live out your life of faith and worship God. This is the primary way. We're going to see this. And so we'll look at our passage in three parts this morning as he, the author gives us directives on how to live a life of worship as we love others. First thing will be love the brothers. He tells us this in 13.1. And then he'll say show hospitality, Hebrews 13.2. 
And then finally, identify with the lowly in Hebrews 13.3. So let's jump in and consider what it means to love the brothers well. This is a short verse, very easy to understand. Verse 13, verse 1, here's what it says. Let brotherly love continue. Got it? Right? Say amen if you got it. All right, there we go. Okay. So what's brotherly love? Let's, let's talk about this for a second. What is, what is he calling us to? So again, we've said, I believe the primary way that we show God's love, or the primary way we worship God as Christians, is to show love to those around us. In fact, we see this really in, in Matthew, the greatest commandment that Jesus gives us in Matthew 22, 36 through 39. What does it say? Right? It says, you shall love the Lord your God of all of your heart, soul, and mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. And then what do you do? Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you're going to love God, then the real practical outworking of that is you turn around and you love those around you. Okay? Romans 13.8 tells us that loving others, this is the end of all of God's law. This, this is where it ends. This means that if you love people well because God has loved you, then you get the point of what God's come to do, that people would feel His love. And we can talk about this word brotherly too. I think this is really important. Hebrews 13.1, he qualifies this love as brotherly love. Let brotherly love continue. What's he talking about? It's this, that the first people you are called to love as a Christian is other brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the tenor throughout the whole Bible. When the Bible talks about loving our brothers, loving others, it's not just talking about like the brotherhood and sisterhood of man. We got that from the 60s, right? Love you, bro. It's talking about loving the brothers and sisters that are in Christ. Okay? It's easy to believe in our mind what God says to love the brothers. But you might be like that lawyer, right, that questions Jesus about the good Samaritan. He's kind of being a little cute. Jesus is saying, love your neighbor. Here's a guy who loved his neighbor well. And they say, well, well, who's my neighbor? <laughs> and you might say, well, who's my brother, right? Who should God, who's God calling me to love? Well, let's pause for a second. I want you to look around the room. Seriously, stop looking at me. I'm up here all the time. Look around the room. Who do you see? These are the people that God is calling you to love right here in 13.1. He's saying, let brotherly love continue with these people in this room. You're in Salt Lake City at Risen Life Church, and God is saying, love these people. Love these people as your brother and sister's in Christ. These are the people that God has given us to love. You will worship God when you love the people in this room well. That's what he's saying. If you believe the gospel, then love these people. And so we got to evaluate our lives this morning. How are you doing at loving the brothers and sisters in this room? That's what God is asking us. The first people that should feel the reflection of God's love to us in Christ should be those that we love in this room as brothers and sisters. And when you do that, that's worship to God. That's what He's telling us. Now, what should brotherly love look like, we might say? John 13, Jesus gives us a little direction here. John 13, 34 through 35, it says, Hey, a new commandment I give to you, 
that you love one another just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. And by this, all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So what's brotherly love supposed to look like? The way that Jesus loved us. Now, that's a tall order, right? If we hear that right, the way God loved us. Romans 5, 8 says, God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means the way that you love the brothers and sisters in here is that you love them even when they're unlovable. That when they're causing problems in your life and your relationship is difficult, Maybe even you would say they're your enemies. You do what Jesus did. You love them, even when they're your enemies. He said he laid his life down for us and loved us even when we were running far from him. I think Philippians 2.3 can take us a little deeper in this. It tells us that this love that we are to have for one another, it's to be like Christ. And what Christ does is that he counts others as more significant than himself. Think about this. The king of the universe says, I care more about you than I do myself. This is the character of God's, God's love for us, that we would lay down our life for one another, that we, we would prioritize the other person and what they need and what they want more than ourselves. This is the character of brotherly love. That's hard to do, right? And I want us to grow in this as a church, the way we love and care for one another. And we do love and care for one another. But we have room to grow in the way that we care for one another and prioritize one another. You know, one of the blessings of our church is that we have all age ranges in our church. Do you enjoy that? Like we got little babies that we're celebrating and we got people that are nearing 100 years old. Like that is a great blessing. But you know what that also provides? That provides a great opportunity to love and care for people. We have a lot of people Sunday by Sunday that, that have trouble getting here, some of our older members. And you know what is a great thing we can do? Some of us that are able-bodied can help them get to church. This is a way we can extend brotherly love to those in our building. What would it also look like if you went and visited some of our older folks? Just sat with them and said, you know, I love you. Glad you're a part of this church. What can I do to help you? Right? These are ways we can extend brotherly love. God is calling us to love each other, to set down our priorities, and to pick up the needs of others in this room and to love like Christ's love. Now, brotherly love also has a certain character about it. I think um, 1 Corinthians gets at this, 13, 1 through 8. Um, but particularly verses 4 and 7, it says this, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never ends. And it goes on to say that if we don't if we don't show love, we could do great things for God, but if we don't show love, then it's worthless. This is part of the reason it's the primary way that we worship God as followers of Jesus. Now, as we also heard back in John, there's also a missional purpose to our love, right? 
So God's saying, you ought to love people because I loved you, and when you do that, that's worship. But it also does something for the wider world, right? In John 13, 35, it says, as we love those in this room as Jesus has loved us, then others will take notice, right? They will know you by your love for one another, okay? And we know churches that do this well and churches that do it poorly, right? You know churches that love one another well, and it is a witness to the world. I ran across this quote this week that I really enjoyed. It said, participation in the lives of others as well as with God and the Father and God the Son, this is the mark of the church, right? That, that we'd be involved with God and that we'd be involved with each other. That is the mark of the church. And you want to see churches that are loving each other well. This is what God is calling us to. And it's not only, not only is it a benefit to be a part of a church that's loving well, but it worships God, right? And it's missional. It shows the world what Jesus has done. So the question this morning is really, are you loving the brothers and sisters well, right? He said, let brotherly love continue. Are you loving the people in this room well? Who is God calling you to love this week? Who needs to feel your love this week? What do you need to do to make a relationship right with someone this week in this room so that they can feel God's love for them? Okay, he goes on now. So he said, this, I think this is the primary way we live out a life of worship to God, loving others as we have been loved. And then he says this in verse 13 too, and this, this is a great verse. We've got some fun things in here. He's going to tell us to show hospitality. Look at verse 2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. <laughs> okay, let's, let's just set the angel part aside for a second because we can get all sorts of crazy on that. And I want you to hear the practical call to hospitality, and then we'll, then we'll come back to the angels here in a second. So I want you to see, hospitality is a natural outworking of love. I mean, this is one way that you, you show love to others, and God is calling us to this this morning. A very tangible and practical thing, then ways you can show love to others that becomes worship to God. So what's Hospitality. Right? The Greek word there is actually, when you translate it, it, it literally means love of strangers. Okay, so this is, we're moving from brothers to now beginning to extend out our love to others that are around us. And traditionally we see in the Bible that God's people were quick to open their homes to travelers and others to share a meal with strangers. You know, the pre-modern world was very dangerous I don't know if it was unlike our world today, but travel was costly, hotels were sparse and even dangerous, and food was hard to come by. And so people, when they traveled, they would stay in homes, right? And so Christians made it part of their mission. We will open our home to those that are traveling. We will show love to strangers because God showed us love when we were strangers, in fact, um, you know, it's been my joy over the years to open my house to other believers and, and non-believers from around the world um, to show them hospitality. 
In fact, this summer or this fall when we went to um, Switzerland, Amy and I, it was such a joy to get together with another brother in Christ for a week of our time there who opened his house to us and just said, let us take care of you, right? They, they treated us better than we would treat ourselves. They were showing us hospitality. Over the last couple of years, some of you guys have met our Italian friends, Monica and Igor, that, that had the giant truck out there in our parking lot. Well, that was me trying to be hospitable. How can I use what the church has to invite strangers in? And after two years of parking in our parking lot, they started coming to our church, and God's doing something in their lives, right? Because we were hospitable to them. They're in Guatemala right now, by the way. But it starts with the brothers, and then it begins to extend out to strangers as well, that we would love people in Jesus' name. And this has deep roots, as we've said in the Bible. Leviticus 19.34 says, You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. You shall love him as yourself, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. In other words, God's saying, because I extended you kindness when you were strangers, you ought to extend kindness to others so that they can experience my love. Now, I think more particularly we can say this about hospitality. Hospitality is really using what God has blessed you with to meet the needs of others and show them the love of God, okay? First Peter 4, 8 through 11 gets at this, verse 8. It says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers over a multitude of sins. And then it says this, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as God's good stewards of God's varied grace. And then it goes on in verse 11 to tell us, When you do this, God is glorified. That's the worship part. When you do this well, God is glorified. That's what we're getting at. So showing hospitality is using the gifts of God we have that God has given us to serve others and glorify Him. You know, and I've, I've always tried to do this in my life. God had convicted of me of this early. And so I've used the things God has given me to serve others. One of those has been my truck, right? I've often loaned my truck. I've tried to make it my practice. Now you're all going to call me this week and ask for my truck. But to loan out my truck to somebody in need, right? They, I need to move. I need to do this. Can I borrow your truck? Absolutely. It's being generous with what God has given you so that you can bless others with his love. We've done this with our house. Part of the reason we want to move to a new house was to have a little more space so that we could be more hospitable, have more people over, have a place for people to stay when they are coming through town. And here's the good thing. God has a promise to us when we're, when we're generous. In fact, Proverbs 19.17 says this. It says, whoever is generous to the poor, and I would say to those in need, he actually lends to the Lord, and the Lord will repay him for his deed. That's a pretty good investment strategy, if you ask me, right? If God says, the things I gave you, if, if you'll use them in my name, I'll repay you, right? And he's got the money to do it. It's not like your friend that says, hey, I'm going to repay you. and never does. He's got all the time and the resources in the world. He will repay you. But 1 Peter 4.9 also tells us we ought to do this without grumbling. 
And I, I get it. Hospitality could be hard. Hospitality is really an art, right? And some of you are really good at it, and some of us are really bad at it. <laughs> and it's an art, and I think we've lost it a little bit in these days. You know, COVID kind of did a number on our thoughts on hospitality. Like, you don't just come over to people's houses anymore, right? You used to could show up, like for your young kids that don't remember pre-COVID, you could show up to people's houses. They would invite you in, and you'd probably talk a while. Now it's like, I'm not answering the door, right? Don't come over unannounced. And we also, we don't like to get our stuff messed up. You know what happened when I loaned my truck to people? They messed it up. Yep. You know what happens when I have people over in my house? They mess it up, right? And that's part of it. Listen, hospitality is work, okay? It's going to cost you something. And, and I think it costs us something because worship should cost us something, right? When, when you do these things in the name of the Lord to worship Him, it will cost you. But God is glorified. And furthermore, the stuff's going away anyway, right? We, we talked about that last week. There's a shakable kingdom of this earth, and we can try to hold on to all those things, but it's all going away. But what's staying? The people are staying. They're eternal, and God is saying, you ought to love them like I love them. You know, I, I also, we also don't like to ask for help. Who in here likes to ask for help? Right? We kind of don't like this as our culture. In fact, my neighbor told me I never ask for help from anybody. And I said, well, you ought to start trying it out. Right? God can bless you in that. In fact, one of my favorite things about hospitality experiences I had is when I began my Ph.D. program at school. It was in California, and I had no place to stay, and I knew one guy on the whole campus, and we'd met like once at a conference. And so you know what I did? I called him up, and I said, hey, man, is there any way that I could come sleep at your place? Like, if I can just have a spot on the floor. And uh, he's like, you know, yeah, I think we could work that out. And so I did, and they were very hospitable to me. And um, over the years, I did that many times as I came to school there, and we became the best of friends, right? Because he was willing to extend hospitality to me and love me as God has loved him, and I was willing to ask and make my need known. And so let's be people that are willing to make our need known and be willing to be those that want to meet needs. So I want to ask you this morning, I want to challenge you this morning, in response to the gospel and, and to worship God, how are you going to use your resources to care for the people in this room and then extend it out to strangers out there? This is what God's asking us to do. How are you going to open your home? Listen, if you have a guest room, it's not meant to just be pretty. It has that adjective in front of room called guest so that you can have people in there. It ought to be full. In our new house, our new guest room has been full almost all the time. It's been our mission to make that possible. And guess what? Guests screw it up a lot of the time. <laughs> we have to clean the carpet and clean the bathroom and change the towels and change the sheets. But God is calling us to be hospitable have people over for meals. I want to challenge you. Have somebody from this congregation or somebody from your sphere of influence over every week. That's not hard to do. You can do it and see what God does. Host Bible studies and other events. 
Use your truck or car for hospitality. We have older folks in our congregation that need a ride and help every week to get here. And some of you guys can meet that need. How are you going to do it? Use your business connections to help someone out. Just this week, I heard about somebody in our church that was helping somebody get a job because they wanted to be hospitable. Donate your clothes, your equipment, your money. Listen, it's all going away. How can you meet a need with with it now and love people? That's what God is calling us to do. And he's saying, when you do it, it's worship to me, and I will remember it. And be a welcoming face at our church. Be hospitable here Sunday by Sunday. Listen, we are in a self-absorbed culture. We know this, and we swim in that water even ourselves. But God is saying, when you do this well and you show hospitality, it will look different to the world. It will speak of Jesus' love as you love each other well and you show hospitality to others. And at the same time, it will be a sacrifice of worship to God. So how are you going to use what God has given you to help others in need and thereby proclaim the gospel and worship Him? So let's return to angels for a second. That's what you've really been waiting on. He gives us this weird motivation here, right? That as you do hospitality well, some have entertained angels. What's he talking about? Right? Seems like an odd motivation. Like, well, maybe I'll get an angel in my house. Maybe. I think he wants to tell us a couple things here. First is, remember that our spiritual world is active. Okay? This should remind us that the spiritual world, though we don't see it, it's happening, okay? And, and this brings us to mind. There's angels throughout the Bible. You can think of all the ones, right? The cherubims that guard the entrance to Eden, Gabriel who speaks with Daniel the prophet, and then later, many years later, to Mary herself. Um, there's so many angels throughout the Bible. Even Hebrews has talked about angels, If you remember back at the beginning in chapter 1, it compared Jesus to the angels and said, Jesus is greater than the angels, so don't worship the angels, worship Jesus. Hebrews 1.14 tells us angels, are they not all ministering spirits that are sent out for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? So they're not just humans that have gone to heaven. That's not what angels are at all. They're divine beings created by God to advance His kingdom purposes, and particularly for His people. They're working on our behalf. And Christians love story about angels, right? Our city loves stories about angels. Do you guys remember the show Touched by an Angel? Filmed here, right? College, I was always irritated when they closed down a street, so they were filming. But we love stories about angels. And I can remember growing up in the youth group, you know, in the 90s, um, and I felt like everybody had an angel story. It's kind of a bigger thing back then, right, if you remember. And it always went like this. I was going down the road, and I picked up a hitchhiker, and he went in the back, and he told me some really weird cryptic things, and then I turned around, and he's gone. You ever heard this story? Or the variation would be, I picked up this guy. I had a flat tire. This guy comes out of nowhere. He helps me change the tire, and then he's gone, Right? And so I used to think, well, angels are really good at, like, car maintenance. This is what, this is what God has them for, and now, now they don't do as much maintenance because we don't see them anymore. And you would hear friends say, you know, like, I grew up in the South, so forgive me. Um, you know, based on 13.2, they, they'd be like, man, that, man, that's a case of angels unawares, man. 
what are you saying? Like this was some theological term that they were using. But they were referring to this that the author tells us, sometimes when you show hospitality, you're helping out an angel. And we see this throughout the Old Testament where this happens. You know, Judges 6, 11 through 24, I love this. Gideon the judge encounters an angel and he prepares a meal for him and he doesn't realize it's an angel. And then I love what it says in 6.22. It says, he prepared this meal and then the angel consumed it with fire. And then it said, Gideon perceived that this man was an angel from the Lord. You think? Like, he's like, that's not normal. Judges 13, 3 through 21, similar thing. An angel appears to the barren wife of Manoah and tells her she's going to have a son. And Manoah's being very hospitable, detains the man for a meal. And then in 13, 21, it says, suddenly he thought, this guy's an angel, right? And I think the most important story comes in Genesis uh, 18, 1 through 21, where Abraham entertains three strangers that turn out to be angels. They come in the hot of the day. Abraham is very hospitable, invites, invites them in. They prepares a feast. It says 21 quarts of flour, so he did some bacon, right? Serve their every need. And at some point in the conversation, Abraham realizes these guys are angels, and maybe even the Lord himself is here. And so the point, we have a good precedent in the Old Testament and the Bible for the exact motivation the author of Hebrews mentions for being hospitable, that some, as they are worshiping God through their hospitality, have entertained angels. And I I want to say this. I think this is what it, it wants to motivate us by, that you don't know how your faithfulness to love other people as a Christian will be used for the blessing and the advancement of God's kingdom. Okay? In case Abraham, his faithfulness in hospitality led to blessing and the opportunity to participate in what God was doing in the world to begin to petition with these angels for for the salvation of Sodom and Gomorrah, for saving of the righteous that were there. And Hebrews tells us that our faithfulness to love others well matters means even in the small things, he's saying, keep going. You don't know what God is doing behind the scenes. You don't know how your love is affecting what God is doing. And as we're faithful to live a life of worship in response to the gospel by loving others, we may entertain angels. So, the author said, love the brothers. He said, show hospitality. And then let's look at this last thing quickly. He says, also, let's identify with the lowly. Hebrews 13.3, remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. Basically asking us to identify with those in the worst situations in life. In your love of God, worship Him by identifying with the lowly. It says first, help those in prison. Christians have had a long tradition of helping those Imprisoned from the apostles who many were wrongly imprisoned for their beliefs. They would bring them food and take care of them and pray for them and visit them and encourage them just to keep them going. And I think this tells us there's an important note of empathy here in this passage. And empathy, you know, in in distinction from sympathy, sympathy is just relating to a person's pain. Empathy is really taking it on. 
And he's saying identify with those that are in this situation. Take on their pain. Take on the things that are happening in their life. Have empathy towards the lowly because God did that with you in Christ. He identified with you and came into our situation so that he could save us. And this tradition has grown into many Christians ministering through the ages to those in prison, even for wrongdoing, right? It's been a joy of mine to visit even some of our members when they've been in prison, right? To sit across the glass from them, to encourage them, the Bible, to pray with them, right? This is loving people well because God loved us. And some of you have participated. I know some of you go down to the jail and do prison ministry down there to care for those in need. In fact, my friend that I stayed with in San Francisco, he, uh, he, he lived there near the school where I was going, and he used to go weekly to teach the men at San Quentin, right, down at the prison, teach them theology, play basketball with them. He cared for them, and many of them named to, came to know Jesus because of the way people cared for them. And finally, he says, and Banji, come on up, help those that are mistreated. Have empathy for those facing the hard things of life. And many of you do this so well. You know, with many of you that, like Dennis Crenshaw, who does our security, he goes out weekly to care for the homeless. Because he feels like that's what God would have him do. Many of you go down to the concern center or other food pantries and help those that are in dire need. Many of you care for our elderly folks here. Many of you go and help those that are in the hospital and care for them. God is calling our church to worship Him by caring for the lowly because He cared for us when we were lowly. So how are you going to do that? I want us to grow as a church in the days ahead as we seek to minister to our city. So loving those around us with God's love is the primary way we're called as Christians to live out our faith and to worship God. Because God loved us, we then go and love others. God is calling us to love this family of believers. He's calling us to show hospitality to strangers, using your gifts for those in need, and to identify and empathize with the lowly. How are you doing? How are you going to practically worship God with your life this week as we love those around us? Now, here's the cool thing. Jesus tells us how loving those around us turns into worship. Matthew 25, 35 through 36, he says this in verse 40. He says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And they said, But Lord, when did we ever do that to you? He said, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Love the brothers, love strangers, love the lowly, and worship God while you do it, because you're doing it to Jesus. How are you going to worship Jesus this week? By loving others well. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that you have extended us such great love, Father. And Lord, would you teach us to love those around us with your love. That you left heaven 
to die for us, to erase our sins, to invite us into relationship. And when we claim you as Lord, you make us holy and you extend love to us in so many ways. God, may we go out this week and extend love and worship to you, to those around us. In Christ's name we pray.